in the Word together. Uh, a couple people I want to take an opportunity uh, to recognize. Um, really, after an emotional, probably, I don't know what you want to say, probably three months, four months, uh, I would like to acknowledge and uh, just recognize Julianne Wilson, uh, the marriage of her daughter, everything that went into it, and she's here, she's recovered, so welcome. Chris is along for the ride, amen. So, uh, also getting baptized today, uh, where's Sean? Sean, stand up here real quick, yay, Sean, amen. And baptized this last week, Cecilia Beam, where's Cecilia? Stand up, yay, amen, amen. Being rebaptized, Jordan, amen. So, so, um, you know, um, thank you, John, for doing uh, the contribution talk. Uh, I sent out an email uh, to the Northwest region. Uh, this last, we've been doing the treasure principle, uh, which I think has been very relatively effective. I think a lot of people are, are just really looking at what is their treasure, um, how are they investing uh, in the kingdom, uh, and uh, what's really important. And so after much discussion, um, really realistically, we have decided to quit passing uh, the contribution plate because the expectation is the membership of the church will support the church and um, we, want, we just don't want to pass it anymore. So what we're going to do is that we're going to have this, right? This. So I want you to get to know this really well. In Waldo, it's going to be at different places throughout the service during the weeks. And so you'll have to find, kind of like where you have to find where church is on Sunday, you'll have to find out where the offering box is so you can give if you don't give online. So no, actually, it'll probably be being in the back somewhere. Um, and it's large enough that if Jamie De Palma tries to take it home with him, uh, we'll be able to stop him. So, um, you know, you know, a lot of us have gone through a lot of difficult times and difficult uh, places, and you know that's life. Um, but the scriptures talks about there's a brother that's closer than a there's a friend that's closer than a brother. There's a friend like that here with me today. Back in Chicago, back in the early days, actually 25 years ago, uh, before Patty and I got fired, uh, there was a brother that was in the ministry with me for a short period of time. What did I say? <laughs> what did I say? Yeah, before we got fired in Chicago. Whatever. You guys are in spiritual. Amen. So, so before we got fired in Chicago... Um, there was a brother that was in the ministry with me for a while, and, and we were just like, we were like buddies. We couldn't get anything done because we were laughing all the time. And uh, we got fired, moved down here, and for 20 years, I, you know, if it happens, it happens. If it doesn't, it doesn't. But he's here visiting, and I want to acknowledge Dave Davis. Go ahead and stand up, David. Go ahead and stand up, man. Amen. So, amen. Amen. So, so David used to be about 6'6", six, six, and... Uh, Life has beaten him down, amen. So, but uh, maybe if he moves to Texas, he'll start growing again, amen, we'll see. So, but a great friend. We spent all day yesterday hanging out, played golf, a couple brothers uh, went out with us, had a great time. Uh, it was very encouraging. 
So um, if you get a chance, meet him and his wife, Sacconi, and his two boys. Two of his three boys are here. His oldest son is playing football for Columbia? Columbia uh, University. It's a D3 school, so I'm really excited. Um, so last Sunday, last Sunday, we talked about Isaiah and Hezekiah. And Hezekiah, being a man of God, um, you know, doing it God's way. But kind of at the end of his life, when other things were happening, his attitude was, eh, at least it's not about that as disciples. That's alarming. Those who you're closest to going to happen after you're no longer here. And he was like, eh, at least it's not in my lifetime. But you compare that to Isaiah the prophet. And Isaiah the prophet, when he was called to go, well, actually, when, when he heard a need, Isaiah the prophet's attitude was, here am I, send me. Send me, I'll go. Let me do this. And God sent them. We're going to talk about the power of focus this morning. It's a lesson, actually, Mark did at staff on Tuesday, and I thought, you know, this is the perfect lesson to follow up from, here am I, send me. You know, a quote from a, a great man named Bruce Lee <laughs> was, is, the successful warrior is the average man with laser-like focus. You know, I think about this year already, 2018, and yes, almost a quarter of this year is already done. Marriage retreat, helping other churches, different things in the church, health, ministry, uh, just the different scheduling, and I feel almost exhausted going into springtime, certainly distracted. And as a church, we've been talking about the treasure principle and, and how, we're, how are we going to build the church and how's the church going to focus? What's our treasure as disciples? And you look at a scripture like Matthew chapter 13 in verse 22, and it says, as for what was sown among thorns, this is the one who hears the word, but the cares of the world, the deceitfulness of riches choke the word and it proves unfruitful. You know, we know from the scriptures that the seed is the word of God. It falls along the thorns. And as someone who hears God's word, but the worries of life, the deceitfulness of wealth, choke it, leaving it unfruitful, unproductive. Isn't that scary? That's scary knowing that, you know, you can live a life and live for a while and you have a resemblance of life. And really it's unfruitful, unproductive. You know, Mark shared this picture that he took in Illinois when he was visiting his uh, mother. And he was out in the country and he found this old church that now obviously is run down and trees growing and and you just think about it one time this this church probably had life and things were happening and and because of a lack of focus goes into disrepair and eventually abandon 
You know, focus is defined as to direct one's attention to a specific issue or person. To aim at, to set our sights, to concentrate, to pinpoint, to fix. You know, I think of some quotes on a lack of focus. It says, when, you pull, when you're pulled in different directions, you stay in the same spot. If you chase two rabbits, both will escape. If a man does not know to what port he is steering, no wind is favorable to him. You know, we know in Paul's writings in the New Testament, in the book of Ephesians, he admonishes all to focus. In chapter 5, in verse 15, Paul says, look carefully then how you will walk. Not as unwise, but as wise. Making the best use of the time, because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. God wants us to be focused. You know, look at some scriptures here on being focused. In Luke chapter 19, verse 10, it says, For the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. He was focused. Chapter 13 and verse 31. At that very hour, some Pharisees came and said to him, Get away from here, for Herod wants to kill you. And he said to him, them, Go and tell that fox, Behold, I will cast out demons and perform cures today and tomorrow, and on the third day I will finish my course. And then lastly, in Acts chapter 20, in the early church, in verse 22, and now, behold, I am going to Jerusalem, constrained by the Spirit, not knowing what will happen to me there, except that the Holy Spirit testifies to me in every city that imprisonment and affliction waits me. But I do not account my life of any value, nor as precious to myself, if only, if only I may finish my course and the ministry that I have received from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. You know, at the end of the day, being focused works in every area of our life. You know, and we live in a world where multitasking, multitasking is the norm, but being focused is a lost art. And what I'd like to do here is I want to leave you with a really practical example in the Old Testament of someone who is called to focus. And from that example, we'll make a few observations. 2 Kings chapter 4. The study of the widow and the oil. You know, here in 2 Kings chapter 4, we see a great example of someone who understood the power of focus. And I'd like you to do is just put yourself in that situation. Whether or not you're the, the widow that has two sons, or perhaps you have two, uh, you're, the, you're the son's really young boys. Perhaps you're the prophet. Perhaps you're the dead husband. And you left your family unprepared. But put yourself in this story. 2 Kings chapter 4, verse 1. 
And now the wife of one of the sons of the prophets cried out to Elisha, your servant, my husband, is dead. And you know that your servant feared the Lord. But the creditor has come to take my two children to be his slaves. And Elisha said to her, what shall I do for you? Tell me, what have you have in your house? And she said, your servant has nothing in the house except a jar of oil. Then he said, go outside, borrow vessels from all your neighbors, empty vessels and not too few. Then go in and shut the door behind yourself and your sons and pour into all these vessels. And when one is full, set it aside. So she went from him and shut the door behind herself and her sons. And as she poured, they brought vessels to her. And when the vessels were full, she said to her son, bring me another vessel. And he said to her, there is not another. Then the oil stopped flowing. She came and told the man of God, and he said, go sell the oil and pay your debts. And you and your sons can live on the rest. Let's just make a few observations here from this story. One, focused people are prayerful people. This woman was desperate. Her sons, her husband was dead. Her son's going to be sold into slavery. She had no money. So what did she do? She cried out. She cried out to the man of God. She said, this is my need. This is what's happening. Remember me. You know, you think about Jesus as the Lord of the harvest. Jesus understanding that we live in a lost world. And Jesus tells his disciples in Luke chapter 10, in verse 2, he says, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. And we know Jesus was focused. Jesus was focused on the lost. And we know that God, too, was also focused and always at work. John chapter 5 and verse 17. My father is always at work to this day, and I too am working. God is always up to something. You know, a couple weeks ago, we had Dinesh and Carolyn George from Bangalore, India come in, and, and on Saturday morning, they did this Hindu community outreach for a couple hours, and We had a packed house, and it was encouraging because you see more and more Indians, Asians, moving into the Dallas area. And as a church, we need to become more effective in reaching out. And they preached, he preached at the Southwest and Northwest service on Sunday. So Monday morning, like at 7 in the morning, I had a flight from Dallas to Orlando. I'm like, oh my gosh, I hate, you know, I'm all excited when I think about it in the future. Like, okay, pick a real early flight so you can get there and you have the whole day. Until like the day before, you have to fly out at 7 in the morning. I got to get up. I got to get to the airport. I got to be there an hour early. And that means I have to get up at a terrible time. And that means someone else has to get up with me. So I get to the airport. I get in the plane, get to Orlando, and I go sit down, and their guy sits next to me. And he's from India. He's Indian. And he's lived here in Dallas for like 20 years. And we just started talking. And because and I, I learned, hey, I, I was just sitting here and go, hey, I learned about you people just this weekend. You know? 
<laughs> I didn't do that, amen. But I thought it, <laughs> no, no. No, but it was, it was awesome. It's like, oh my gosh, God put someone next to me. What's God doing? Oh, God, his name and his number. He's going to come over for dinner, him and his wife. And it'll be awesome getting to know him. You know, Colossians chapter 4, verse 2. What does Paul say again? He says, devote yourself to prayer. Being watchful and thankful. And pray for us too that God may open a door for our message. So that we may proclaim the mysteries of Christ for which I am in chains. Pray that I may proclaim it clearly as I should. Be wise in the way you act towards outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. Be in focus. Focused people are prayerful people. You know, the second thought here is that focused people take stock in what they have. What they have. You know, you know the story, probably not as well, but the story of Steve Jobs and, and how he was the genius behind all the Apple success. And shockingly, is that after he developed and started the company back in 1984, the, the company stock dropped and they fired Steve Jobs. Well, they fired him first, and then after the stock dropped, they rehired him. And it tells the story of how his re-entry into Apple came about. And he came back into the company after a number of years being outside of Apple, and he saw, he saw the multitude of products that Apple was engaged in. So he walks in barefooted, walks up to a, a whiteboard in front of all the engineers, and he drew a square, and he divided it into uh, quadrants. And in one quadrant, he, he wrote pro, Next to it, consumer. In the bottom, it said desktop. And in the final square, he put mobile. And he turned into the engineers and says, make one Apple product that will address each one of these four things and cancel the rest. And guess what they came up with? What you listen to music. Not iPhone, the iPod. And now it's a, the largest company in the world Billions of dollars. Trillions of dollars. You know, what did Elisha ask the woman? What do you have? And she sat there and she goes, a little oil? I have a jar with a little oil in it. That's enough. You know, every Christian has a little oil. You know, every single one of us has something that we can use to glorify God. And we need to take stock in what we have. You know, it's so funny. What do we have? Well, you know, we, we, we have a new puppy. We have a puppy tank. That's right. Three, two and a half pounds. He's gaining weight every week. Two and a half pounds. And, and, and the girls in our Bible talk came up with an idea. It's like, hey, let's have a puppy shower over at Sherry's house. And Patty and Barb brought their puppies to a puppy shower. <laughs> Do you know that four women in our Bible talk 
had nine visitors come to a puppy shower that they started out with a small Bible talk? What did they have? Puppies. <laughs> what, did they, what did they do with the puppies? They used it to reach out to their neighbors. They had a little bit of oil. What do you have? I know what Marcos has. He has a, he has a yard that looks out on River Chase Golf Course. That's what he has. We took advantage of it yesterday. What do you have? Number three, focus people work as a team. Have you ever heard of the term focus groups? You know, this widow had her own focus group. It was herself and her two sons, and all three were desperate. All three were focused, and they worked as a team. You know, I love, I love the Northwest region. You know, one of the fun things for me in the Northwest region when, when, when I'm here is that when people come to visit, I get to be like, oh, you got to meet this person. Oh, you got to meet this person. Because there's such a rich variety of different people in this room. It's like, I want you to meet him. I want you to meet her. Oh, they're from this area. They're from that area. And as when you work with the, as a team, everyone's involved. Jesus had a team. He had the team of 12. Jesus sent out his team by twos. The 12 and then later the 72. Focused people work as a team. How's your Bible talk? Is it functioning as a team? Are you focused about seeking and saving the lost? Are you being focused about making a difference in a lost world? And number four. Focus people ask anyone and everyone. Elisha, after he found out she had a little bit of oil, she said, he said, go around and ask all your neighbors. For what? Empty jars? And what an opportunity to clean a house. Hey, take all my empty jars. Take them. How many do you want? I got tons. She probably had her whole house full of empty jars. You know, we're called to be bold. Just like this woman. Imagine, imagine the man of God told her to go get an empty jar and ask all your neighbors. How bold do you think this woman was? She's banging on the doors. Give me every, everything you have. Little, average, big, I don't care. I just want empty jars. How bold have we been? Acts chapter 18, verse 9, it says, One night the Lord spoke to Paul in a vision. He said, Do not be afraid. Keep on speaking. Do not be silent. For I am with you, and no one is going to attack or harm you, because I have many people in this city. Even in the midst of persecution, the early church was bold. You know, I know when I got out of the ministry, you know, after we left Chicago, Moved down here, and I couldn't, couldn't find a job in Chicago. I moved down here. I found a job really quickly. And for a couple of years, I worked in an in industry called Physician Search. I was a marketer. The other part of the company recruited physicians and placed them. But I was the one that went into the hospitals, the clinics, and, and would get their service. 
You know, it's interesting because as a marketer, you spend really very little time actually securing the, pro- the contracts. Rather, it was a career in prospecting the next client. I was always on the phone, always talking, always getting to know people, building relationships. You know, here's some interesting statistics comp- um, uh, compiled by the LA Sales and Marketing Executive Club. These are the number of, of calls it takes to close a sale. Do you know that? 2% of all sales are closed on the first call. 3% close on the second call. Only 4% of all sales are closed on the third call. On the fourth call, 10% are closed. But it isn't until the fifth call that 81% close. And I can attest, this is a pretty accurate, because I would call and talk to someone. Hey, do you need a physician? What are you looking for? Right? Not interested? No? Okay, okay. Hello, are you interested? Are you looking for a physician? Do you need market share? Are you trying to capture it? Go back to this one. Hey, dude, I know you had a need there. You're still looking? You're still not interested. Go back and forth, back and forth. You just had to keep calling, keep talking, keep talking. And you know only 19% of all sales are closed by the fourth call? And if you're in sales, you're like, yeah. You know the point is? Perseverance pays off. I think about how I became a disciple. Dave Legier, chiropractor student. Hey, Todd, you want to come to Bible talk? Hey, Todd, you want to come over to church? Hey, Todd, how about we, uh, how about we study together and go eat, go eat dinner and we'll study together? Ah, okay, cool, let's do that. <laughs> hey, Todd, you want to come to Bible talk? Hey, Todd, you want to get together and study the Bible? Hey, Todd, you want to come out to a potluck? Yeah. <laughs> you know, Dave, Dave, I think, honestly, if I think back, Dave probably asked me at least five or six times before I finally came to church. You know, the Dartnell Corporation threw out these statistics. When sales people quit. 48% quit after the first call. Half quit after the first call. 24% quit after the second call. 12% quit after the third call. 6% quit after the fourth call. 10% quit after the fifth call. See what I mean by quitting too soon? 81% of sales are made after the fourth call, by which time 90% of all salespeople have quit calling. That's why it says in Galatians, Chapter 6, verse 9, 
Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. How many of us get just bold enough to get a number and the number sits on the desk? How many times do we quit after talking to someone they say no once? Much less two, three, four, five times. How, how bad do we want it? How, how bad do we realize that we live in a lost world? You know, and lastly, focus people shut out unproductive distractions. What did the prophet say? He said, go inside. And shut the door behind you and your sons. You know, John Carmack quotes, focus is a matter of deciding what things you're not going to do. If it's not fulfilling God's plan, dump it, delegate it, or defer it. If it is, do it. Focus people shut out unproductive distractions. And see, we have to understand is that the power of focus will allow us to be like Isaiah, here am I and send me. You know, I'll give you an illustration of the power of focus. A number of years ago, back in the 70s and 80s, they built what we call the Alaskan Pipeline. And do you know, when they built that Alaskan pipeline, many of the workers were from Texas? They went to Alaska, found work on the pipeline, but the Texans could only work a few hours in the frigid weather. Yet the Eskimos, the Native Americans, were, could work indefinitely in the cold. So Exxon decided to do a physiological study to find out why the Eskimos could withstand the cold, frigid weather. And after much study, they found out that there were no physical set differences between the Texans and the, uh, the Eskimos. Nothing in the skin thickness or blood or anything physical that would explain the differences in the ability to withstand the temperatures. So Exxon did the next logical thing. They did a psychological study. And at the end of the day, an Eskimo gave him the answer. He said that they knew it was cold outside, but there was a job to get done. In other words, his focus was on the job and obtaining results rather than the weather. The Texans focused on the weather, and that's what kept them from focusing on the job. You and I will focus on one or of two things as we move forward. We will either focus on the things of the world that are temporary, like the weather? Or are we going to focus on what's eternal, 
And that's the mission at hand. The choice is ours to make. And I hope as we go to God to take communion, we'll evaluate. What's our treasure? We'll evaluate. Do I have the spirit of Isaiah? Here am I. Send me. Are we willing to be disciplined to focus? Focus on what's eternal and that's not what's on temporal. Because that's what Jesus did. That's why Jesus was able to go to the cross and look forward to the future and put up with the pain and suffering because he loved us and wanted all of us to be with him for eternity. Let's go to God in prayer. Our Father, God, we come to you now this time humbled and grateful for this opportunity to be together. God, thank you for all these men and women that are here willing to hear your word, to get into the Bible, to build relationships. And Father, at the end of the day, we pray that you will help us have the power to focus. Father, focus on what's eternal. Father, focus on you and your glory. And Father, not to be distracted by the things like, like wealth and, and worries, but rather, God, to give you glory and honor. We love you. We're thankful. And it's in your son's name, Jesus, we're able to pray to you now. Amen.